Welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where Senator Amanda Stoker has a laugh with friends and colleagues, cuts through the bull, and explores the issues of the day. Let's get to the bottom of it all. Hi, welcome to Just Quietly. I'm Amanda Stoker and I'm your host. And today we are talking about something I think is really important and that is the fundamental right of religious freedom for the individual. Now, one of the things that gets raised in public debates in the media about this is about how it doesn't really matter or how it might be just a licence to discriminate against others. And they always say young people don't want it, young people don't value it. And so today I've got with me on the podcast three beautiful young people, all with um, lots in their brains and plenty of opinions on these things to offer, to have a chat about um, whether it matters to them, why it matters to them, and um, we'll, we'll go into a little bit that might or might not debunk some of the myths that um, we've heard around this subject. So I have with me um, Connor who is a total ray of sunshine, brings happiness to everyone he's around. I've got Sarah, who is a bit of a quiet achiever, but um, a smart girl who started out in the Northern Territory, ended up an engineer and loves libraries. And I've got Jai, who is a law student and um, is a Lismore boy. So let's start with this, and maybe I'll come to you first, Connor. What is religious freedom? And um, what, what do you hope for your life when it comes to religious freedom? In terms of what religious freedom is, um, I think I'll talk to you what you, br- what you uh, brought up briefly at the beginning, um, which is the idea that people often see religious freedom as a licence to discriminate, which I find quite uh, wrong because religious freedom and freedom of belief is actually what gives way to literally every other right um, that is worth having. Uh, as Victorian Senator uh, James Patterson has said, uh, when religious freedom falls away or when a right to belief falls away, um, freedom of speech falls away because you need to believe something if you want to speak on it. Uh, that, that's true, right? It's, it goes to the guts of your ability to freely think. You know, If you don't have the right to believe something in your own head and act consistently with it, um, particularly when that belief is one that's reasonably held, mm. then you're not really a free individual in a free society. You are prisoner to other people asserting their right to tell you what you can and can't think, and that is a deeply disturbing thing, Um, which makes the fact that we're having a debate about it in this country kind of all the more exciting. Um, Now, Sarah, I think um, you're a committed Christian. Yes, I am. And so this would be something that you have at least thought about a bit. Um, why do you think religious freedom is so misunderstood? <laughs> Told you she was a quiet achiever. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. What, what do you reckon, Jai? Yeah, I think it's it's misunderstood because the perception out there is that you know religious freedom is just for old white people wrong about their, their religion and their Christianity, etc. But uh, as we can see here today, that's that's further from the truth. Um, but old white guys have rights too, you know. They do. <laughs> One day you'll be an old white guy. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I think for, for myself, uh, I, I went to a Catholic school. I grew up Catholic. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a committed Christian. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't believe in the right to religious freedom strongly. Just because I'm not a committed religious person, why should I deny Connor or Sarah their right to express themselves freely? Um, so, yeah. One of the things I think is really interesting about this subject is its connection to identity politics, mm. right? So as identity politics has risen in prominence and there's been this almost social and political need to identify with some sort of minority status, whether that is um, a minority um, gender or sex, those words are fraught these days, um, a minority sexuality, um, minority race... When you identify as one of those things, identity politics gives you the right to special privileges and it gives you the right to call people who don't have that attribute one of your oppressors. And because there are now incentives inbuilt into our system for people who can find some identity politics advantage, um, there is a backlash, I suppose, from the people who have been in receipt of those advantages or who really support those advantages because they see religious freedom as something that comes into contest with um, their right to claim all of that special status. And so I think it tells us something really interesting about how far postmodern thought has come in, I guess, public debate more generally here. But when it comes down to it, no one's asking for the rights of religious people to be privileged over the rights of somebody, for instance, who identifies as gay. Nobody's asking for um, my right to say I believe in traditional marriage to trump someone else's right to say they believe marriage um, can take different forms. Why do you think it is that as a society we find it so hard to agree to disagree on these sensitive social subjects? Maybe Connor, I'll come to you. This is what I find as one of the great ironies of, of this debate. Um, that being, I think it really demonstrates that um, those against religious discrimination aren't really interested in protecting minorities, particularly because when you actually have a look at what religious discrimination or religious freedom does, is it is there to protect minorities. Religious uh, freedom of speech is there to protect minorities. Um, if it was what the majority thought, then you wouldn't need a protection for it at all. Um and so if we're looking at uh, why do people find it so hard to tolerate is, quite frankly, I think people no longer are interested in tolerance. People are interested in uh, affirmation, particularly I think the left are interested in affirmation. It's no longer actually about protections for minorities. It's about agree with me or else. You make a really good point. Um, the word tolerance is, in our current climate, often used in a way that is quite intolerant. It's used to shut down speech. It's used to stop the discussion of subjects that um, are in this new taboo. One of the things that um, a pastor I was talking to on a plane from Townsville to Brisbane once, just one of those chance encounters, um, he described it to me this way. He goes, we are so welcoming and accepting of anybody who's different. Um, and it's, it's never a problem. They always are embraced by our family. But there's a difference between acceptance and affirmation. Um, what do you think about that, Sarah? The difference between acceptance and affirmation? Yeah, and how that links to religious freedom. Okay, I, I haven't <laughs> expressed that well, I suppose. So, 
people who oppose religious freedom yeah. often say um, you're only asking for a right to discriminate against other people. Mm. Um, you're only asking for a licence to push your beliefs on people who don't want them. You're only looking for reasons why um, you can, in a sense, victimise people who don't meet um, your conception of what is biblical, mm. right? Um, but that's not my experience of being a Christian person. My experience of being a Christian person has been really very embracing of people um, who are struggling with their gender, embracing of people who are struggling with their sexuality, absolutely embracing of people from all different national backgrounds and race backgrounds. Gosh, um, you know, you only need to have a look at the constituency of many churches to see that they are absolutely an international family. Mm. Um, so do you have any thoughts on why there is this clash? I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think Connor was sort of on the mark when he's talking about um, it being, oh, and yourself when he's talking about being perceived as that right to discrimination when really it's not about that at all. Um, when we sort of think about it from a Christian perspective, um, freedom to believe is such um, a fundamentally human thing um, and it's a fundamental human right um and i think really it's loving your neighbor um and as christians we have a responsibility to love our neighbors and protect that people have religious freedom yeah nice not sure if that quite yeah, answers your question but that's great um somebody who's a bit less religious jai um can i ask you this you know we've had stories in well not stories they're real um in recent history of Catholic archbishops being hauled before tribunals um, accused of discrimination for um, expressing their belief that, according to Catholic teaching, marriage is between a man and a woman. We've had um, people boycotted for having civil debates about what um, the form of marriage should be. We've had um, businesses shut down, in effect, because they have had more traditional perspectives and, um, you know on the question of parental rights to know what their kids are being taught in schools and have some say, particularly when it comes to issues of, of gender and sexuality and stuff like that, um, it's, a, it's a hotbed of politics. Coming from it from a more secular perspective, um, do trends like that worry you or are you comfortable with them? I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Senator. It's absolutely worrying and, and very worrying to me. Um, I went to a Catholic school for 13 years um, and while I don't regularly att attend church anymore, I absolutely loved my Catholic high school and primary school education and I want the same for my kids in the future. I, would, I really want to send my kids to uh, a Catholic school to have you know, the same type of education and the same type of values that I was instilled with. And so, yeah, it's, it's very concerning that you know, that may not be able to happen in the sense that um, Catholic schools aren't going to have the complete freedom uh, and autonomy over what they teach. Um, yeah. One thing that um, is a little bit more philosophical, so um, if you're not following me, <laughs> let me know, right? But one of the things I think is interesting is that the notion of rights 
and, and the notion of discrimination for that matter, was born out from that post-World War II um, flurry of conventions that were signed. And they were a reaction to um, the horror of World War II. You know, terrible, terrible things done by way of genocide to, um, to the Jewish people, to homosexual people, to, to gypsies, to, to all kinds, right? Um, and nobody ever wanted to see it again, quite rightly. But the conception of rights that was formulated at that time was one that um, wasn't really known to the Western legal or political tradition to that point. We'd always operated, um, we being the Western tradition, I suppose, on the basis that you're right not to be discriminated against on the basis of an attribute you couldn't control. It was a natural right. It didn't come from some statute or from some international convention that could be traded away by politicians or diplomats. Um, it came from your creator. And it means that when I approach this subject, I'm like, well, religious freedom isn't something your government can give you or take away. Religious freedom is something bigger than that. Connor and Sarah, as people who believe... How do you feel about the notion of religious freedom? Is it, is it just a human right? I say just sort of in a um, facetious kind of way. Is it just a human right or is it something bigger than that? I think, I think one of the great tragedies, um, and I'm seeing this a lot at, at university when I talk to people at college, is that people have either forgotten or, or, or sadly don't quite understand that rights don't just come out of thin air. There actually has to be an objective reference for a rights come from and so when people are, are flailing around saying you have to believe what I believe otherwise you're wrong or otherwise I'm going to throw you in prison I think that they're actually ignoring that reality or they're they're ignoring the fact um oh actually I'll, I'll put it this way Richard Dawkins is the perfect example of this he's someone who in one breath will say that um, we're all just atoms rights don't exist but then the next breath will say um Christianity is evil um and, and that's really what I'm getting at. Uh, religious freedom is important uh, because if you start persecuting people based on your subjective understanding of what's right and what's wrong, um, I, I think we could end up getting into some very dangerous territory, uh, if, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Do you want to add anything, Sarah? I actually think Connor's hit the nail on the head there. Very good. Um, the connection between... Religious freedom, freedom of speech and freedom of thought is something um, I don't think is well understood by people more generally. But from a secular perspective, um, it seems to me that if you're someone who values the scientific method, someone who values the ability to debate ideas, contest evidence and to shift um, policy or cultural trends based on their merit, based on whether they work <laughs> um, and based on whatever the best evidence is you've got at the time, then you have to be someone who believes in free speech. You have to be somebody who believes in free thought. Um, and I can't see how somebody could think those two things are important but also not believe in religious freedom. Um, am I all off track here? I mean, what do you think, Jai? Not off track at all, Senator. You are allowed to disagree yeah. with me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is one, one class where you get points for contradicting your lecturer. <laughs> true, true. Uh, well, 
at, at the heart of religion uh, or re- is belief. So if you don't have freedom of religion, then you really are denying freedom to believe. And if you don't believe in anything, then how, how can you speak? Yeah. Um, so it's really the precursor to free speech uh, and all the other freedoms, as Connor was saying earlier on in the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. If you, if you could say one thing to your peers at uni to try and convince them that religious freedom and the bundle of freedoms that comes with it matters, what would you say to them? I would say that if you want to be a smarter, better, more well-rounded person, uh, then you need to have good critical thinking skills. Yeah. And to have those, you need to be open to hear all up types of ideas yep. and you're not going to hear all those types of ideas if you don't have freedom of religion or freedom of speech yeah that's a good point what do you reckon connor well going back to what we we're saying at the, the very beginning um i believe in freedom of religion and freedom of belief because i believe in protecting people i, I think it's quite wrong for people to say that religious freedom is an alias for a right to discriminate it's the opposite so i tell um my friends at university who might disagree with me in the first instance that to believe in religious freedom is to believe in, in protecting the little guy. Yeah. What do you reckon, Sarah? I feel like there's a lot of fear that surrounds this issue. Yeah, fear good point. on both sides. Um, and I think um, I'd sort of like to say to someone, well, we need to not be afraid to entertain different ideas. We need to have this open discussion, open debate and keep an open mind and just because we disagree doesn't mean we hate one another it means we can learn from each other Um, and I think if we can keep the open respectful um, debate happening then everybody's going to be better off in the long run. There's a really good book called The Coddling of the American Mind and it's by um, Jonathan Haidt H-A-I-D-T and a guy named I think Greg Lukianoff Um, and they explain it this way and there was a time not that long ago when people started describing words as injuries you know it it wasn't just sticks and stones can break my bones but words can never hurt me but instead words could inflict actual real harm now at the moment we're seeing that in spades right we're seeing social media get toxic we've seen um no doubt in constellation with a whole lot of other factors, but people even take their lives over words that are horrible. Um, And they put together a thesis that says that's a combination of parenting that tells people to um, be fragile in the face of adversity, and that's something that parents need to answer for. But they also say there is a real problem in the idea that words are violence. When we classify words as violence then it's possible to justify a whole range of what I would say are quite unreasonable restrictions on speech. Um, When the old saying that words can never hurt me um, should still be true. I can't help but think that's connected to this issue and that um, the the fear of a licence to discriminate that many people talk about is really um, a fear of hearing words they don't like in the mistaken belief that those words are violence. Um, maybe that's a conversation for another day, but it's got to be connected to this, don't you think? Oh, certainly. Definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, 
thank you so much for talking with me about a really hard subject. So hard. Um, so hard that this parliament has wrangled with it for um, about a year now, although I am hopeful we will be able to deliver a Religious Freedom Act, Religious Discrimination Act, um, very shortly that will provide a meaningful levelling of the playing field for people of faith, but also for people who want to be free for, from discrimination for their decision to have no faith. You know, it works both ways um, because it's all about protecting the right of you, whatever your beliefs, to think what you want in your own head. It's not a space the government or anyone else can control and it should very well stay that way. And so to finish things, um, with my big thanks for being brave enough to talk about such a sensitive and hard subject on this podcast, I want to ask you truly the most serious question. Truly, truly serious question. What is your favourite ABBA song? Connor. Oh, uh, probably not the most Christian of their songs, but Give Me, Give Me is a, is a good song. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, there's no judgement here. <laughs> Sarah. Oh, it, it's a, it's a toss-up, but I'm going to go with SOS this time mm. because it's I reckon it's a great song to sing with in the back of the bus. Yeah, yeah, I could do some karaoke with you on that. Yep. What do you reckon, Jai? Look. It's typically a hard pass from me here, but <laughs> in the spirit of the podcast, I'll I'll go with uh, Dancing Queen. <laughs> Dancing Queen, yeah, yeah. I I can see how ordinarily you would be a hard pass. <laughs> and I'll look, I'll go with Mamma Mia. And with that, I will say thank you guys so much. I really do appreciate you guys being brave enough to use your brains and your words to um, go places that maybe other people your age might not have had the guts to do. So thank you and um, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Senator. See you later. Thank you.